back to funded as we continue to understand the landscape of funding systems across small Vermont schools. This episode serves as the first of three case studies. We've heard from experts, policymakers, and scholars. Now it's time to hear from schools and communities directly. Today, you will hear narratives from a principal, a teacher, and a parent to better understand the experience of the Leicester School as a small rural school and community in Vermont. We will hear how policies such as Act 46 have impacted the small school communities in the Rutland Northeast Supervisory District. The Leicester Central School has been recently renamed the Otter Creek Academy, but for this podcast, we will refer to it as the Leicester School so as to associate it with the town. Leicester, Vermont is about 20 miles from the town of Rutland and 11 miles from Middlebury. The town has a population of 990 people. The school has 86 students. Two-thirds of the students qualify for free and reduced-priced lunches and breakfast, and a fourth of the students qualify for special ed and IEP services. There's a high percentage of unemployment and food insecurity in the town as well. The Leicester School serves as the most rural school of the three schools chosen When I visited the school, it was right before Christmas break. The tables in the multi-purpose room, which serves as both the PE room, music room, art room, and after-school room, were filled with 15 sets of bags of food to take home for families that are food insecure. Each family received three bags of food. The bags are provided for free from the local Hannafords. The school secretary, Mrs. Randall, has to decide who gets what, making some tough decisions as there are often more families in need than bags available. They send home bags of food almost every weekend. It's important to note my own connection to the Leicester School and the community. My mom, Kim Hescock, has run the after-school program for the three schools of Leicester, Whiting, and Sudbury students for over 15 years, and in elementary school, I would attend the after-school program every day. In a lot of ways, I grew up in this community. In high school, I even worked at the after-school program and got to know parents and teachers of this school even better. I grew up playing soccer at Leicester and made friends with the kids at the school and their parents. One of these parents was Betty Cram. Betty Cram has lived in Leicester her whole life. She went to the Leicester school, her kids went there, and now her grandkids go there. The Crams all live near each other and are very close. Every morning, Betty's granddaughter walks across her yard to her grandmother's house. I see her every day. She comes knocking on my door in the morning to go out and wait with her for the bus. Betty said the Lester community is also just as close-knit as the Crams. It's a small community, but they all come together um, when they know something. Like if someone passed, they'll send you know a sympathy card or um they get together for christmas do little things like that they do little bingo so people can go she said the small school aspect of lester was beneficial to her family um i think they would have had a hard time because they're more like hands-on and they learn better when there's not a big group of kids. 
do you think that Lester could recognize that and meet those needs? Yes. What types of programs were they able to do to like be more hands-on, would you say? Um, they had smaller groups. Uh, they had... Uh, they just taught and took their time with the kids if they needed the extra time and stuff like that. And I feel if they were bigger classrooms, they wouldn't have been able to get that. And a lot of them still gets one-on-one. I asked Betty what she thought her kids' experience would have been at a larger school. It, it would make a big difference on the kids, I believe they would have harder time with things, their, their homework or a project. And the teachers now, I feel the kids need help on something, they're still there. And if you go to a bigger school, well, it'll be harder and more struggling, I believe. Mm-hmm. As a result of Act 46, the Rutland Northeast Supervisory Union created a new school governance board. In 2018, the neighboring town of Whiting closed their elementary school, sending students to the adjacent town of Leicester and Sudbury. Leicester housed grades K through 4, while 5th and 6th graders went to Sudbury. Leicester's principal, Tom Flurry, said this change has been a positive change overall. I also want to note that my interview with Principal Flurry may have a lot of background noise, as his only chance to talk with me was after school while he was still on principal duty watching kids in a fairly busy space. I think this might be even more fitting and speaks to the never-ending job of a small school principal. I believe that recent consolidations under like Act 46 have actually helped us in that we now have a more centralized um, supervisory union. It can help level the playing field for all students in all schools um, and that we have access to some centralized supervisory union uh, resources that we might not have had access to on our own. Mm-hmm. Principal Flurry said that the consolidation of Whiting, Lester, and Sudbury caused the communities to feel wary of Act 46. I think there's a lot of different perceptions around what Act 46 and just general school consolidation or school reconfiguration, I think is the way that I would call it, um, are. And um, I think there's a lot of different levels of information that people have. Um, I think there's a lot of different thoughts about what local control is versus or what it's perceived to be. Um, I think Vermont's always been a fairly centralized state anyway, but we've had this kind of thought that we were more at the local control level than we probably actually are. Um, but I do think uh, there's been a lot of passion that has been brought to the all sides of the conversation. Uh, but I do think that um, in many ways, the Act 46 has actually worked quite well. Uh, and that there are communities where they have felt that that hasn't worked as well for them. And they've you know appealed to the legislature for kind of some uh, redress about it. But I do think in the most cases, it's actually worked quite well. Mm-hmm. And so this school has pretty high levels of poverty across. Yes, we do. Um, can you describe, like, do you know what the level is? Um, yeah. yeah, it's about two thirds uh, of, of our students who qualify for free and reduced priced lunches and, and, and breakfast 
Um, and there's also about 25% of our students qualify for special ed IEP services at all. So um, those two figures indicate that we have a high economic need and a high academic need as well. Do you think that um, the F46 helped those communities or do you think that they had a different impact on different families in the school that had different economic backgrounds? I think it's actually helped somewhat. There's still a lot of economic challenges that really uh, Act 46 hasn't addressed, but it has, I think, at least partially leveled the playing field for children who come from high poverty schools that now have access to uh, services that uh, across the supervisor union that they may not have had in the past. So I do think it's been, you know, what at are least, some of those services? Well, we have a lot of uh, administrative services, a lot of coaching support in the curriculum areas, a lot of social-emotional learning support. So we have access to a lot of supervisory union coaching and interventionists that a small school on its own could probably never hope to mm -hmm. uh, accomplish or obtain for their students. Yeah. Brenna Kimball has been in education in Vermont for 10 years. She teaches first and second grade at the Leicester Central School. She said the consolidation has had some positive outcomes, but it has also come with drawbacks. I think there's real treasure in small schools. There's really um, individualized learning that can be done. I think that um, the flexibility and the sense of community is huge. So consolidation has, has changed that, some for the better. Some, some things are not for the better, um, but change you know, that's just part of change, I think. Um, so when we consolidated, I know that there was a lot of pushback from families initially and the community. Um, and unfortunately, a lot of people weren't sure how to voice that and they weren't sure how to make that heard. Brenna Kimball said she worked hard to be aware of the changes being made by the board in order to help her nuclear school community. And so, you know, I attended board meetings and things like that to because it directly affected me and my students. And I wanted to be a voice for our families, whether they could attend or not. Um, but there just wasn't a big turnout. So when things happened, you know, people were upset. Um, but I think that over time they've learned that, you know, things things are okay. You know, what this did was pool more resources and give more opportunities to students. The initial consolidation sent fifth and sixth graders to Sudbury School in the adjacent town. However, after a couple years, the board decided to move the students to Leicester to cut costs and bring more kids together. Sense of community in Sudbury. You know, the sense of community from those small towns, you know, especially Sudbury where it has a vacant school right now, you know, that's, that's a bummer. That's a hit to a community where that's it. There's no gas station. There's no, um, you know, there, there's no town office there. That is it. The school is it, and that is no longer. So I think that hurt, especially people who had a long history um, within that school community. But I know that families that are, are in it and have children in schools, I, I think they've been happy with um, what has happened. You know, I, there's longer transportation for some, yes. Um, but are there a you know, bigger pool of, of friend groups and peer groups? Yes. Um, more access to interventionists and um, some you know, mental health um, resources as well? Yes. Brenna Kimball said that with the increase in students after the consolidation, it added a lot of pressure on the physical space of the Leicester School. 
when you just continue to increase the student population in, in small spaces like that, but with increased student population comes the increased need for more space, more small spaces, you know, for, for small instruction, specialized instruction, um, you know, just all the above. There's mm -hmm. just not room for it here. You know, a student who just needs 10 minutes of quiet, you know, they've, yeah. had, they've had the craziest morning, maybe a traumatic morning, and they just need 10 minutes. There's nowhere for them here. There's nowhere for them to get 10 minutes alone to get themselves set for the day, you know, and we are yeah. hurting. She said she understood the desire to bring all students, K through six, under one roof. However, she knew that wasn't as simple as it sounded. She went to the board meetings and tried to bring attention to the lack of space that would occur with the inclusion of fifth and sixth graders in the Lester School. She said that they had to turn the library into office spaces and the multi-purpose room has had too many things going on for indoor PE to occur. Do you ever feel like there's a disconnect between the board and the day-to-day -day of the school? 100%, yeah. I, I, yes, I do. They are making huge decisions for the schools, and I think, um, you know, while they have the students' best interest, you know, and the communities, and, and you know, money is always an overarching umbrella, you know, we've really got to keep an eye on money. Um, you know, the work that they do is wonderful, and I don't want to discredit that, but I do wish that they would come into the schools before they make such decisions. Yeah, like, do they, they ever like ask you or other teachers what you think about certain decisions? No. <laughs> no, and uh, you know, I've, got, I've gone to meetings and shared that, but um, you know, and they do, so the board meetings rotate, they, they go to, you know, they'll have a meeting at each school and get like a tour of the school, but a board meeting's at six o'clock. I mean, that's not, you know, there's no students here, that's an empty building. That's this place looks huge when there's no students here, but when you have 88 kids in here and you have dysregulated kids looking for a space or, you know, a teacher who needs to have a phone call and a private space and a meeting or, you know, that's when they need to be here is, is to see that and see what's really going on and then, you know, then make some real decisions on how to best support the kiddos, you know, with money in mind. Due to COVID-19 remote learning, Lester School experienced challenges in providing and maintaining access to the internet and quality supervision for students at home. Brenna Kimball said inequities in both the community and the school were clear. Yeah, poverty, that it does show up there, for sure. Um, those are, you know, working, you know, some are working families where, you know, just having an adult to be home for those kiddos was, was nearly impossible. And if they did, it was a grandmother or, um, you know, a neighbor that may not have, you know, the technology experience that was required to, um, participate in such learning. Um, we also see, you know, we do have, um, you know, hot spots within the computers, but we, you know, we quickly learned there was a lot of kiddos and families without internet access. Um, you know, I know that earlier in, in the pandemic, there was, you know, kiddos, um, the schools were offering, you know, that they could come and drive to the school and access internet there. Well, <laughs> that requires transportation and that requires someone to sit in the car. And right. you know, that's just not like, that, that's, you know, that's, that's not a long-term solution. So, um, but even with these Verizon hotspots, we still have families that cannot access internet. We also have a lack of uh, families with a lack of experience with technology, families that don't have an email address, um, which, you know, is, is challenging. So how are they helping their kiddos um, you know, do their learning. You know, their, their kiddo, their first grader is now the expert. 
that's challenging. Right. Um, COVID really highlighted the socioeconomic differences in our communities. This falls under the framework that poverty and rurality go hand in hand. Those with lower socioeconomic status found it harder to have access to the internet, a crucial tool to learning. Access to the internet across the country varies, and it is lower in towns like Leicester, Sudbury, and Whiting. The literature tells us the lack of internet access puts students further behind, further increasing the struggles that poor rural communities face. Betty Cram's granddaughter was luckily a student who did have access to the internet. However, at a young age, she did not have access to a personal computer. She was able to be one of the students that received a Chromebook to do work and join online classes. Otherwise, she would not have been able to communicate with teachers. Yeah, they tried every way to help all the kids to make sure they had what they needed for um, online classes. When I asked Betty what she thought of the consolidation of Whiting, Betty said she did not envy the communities of Whiting that had to leave their small school. Um, I'm glad it wasn't me because I like my own little community school. And yeah, I think Whiting would have loved to keep theirs open along with Sudbury. Mm -hmm. Do you think you understand why they were closed? Yep. How, what would you say the reason is? Um, because they didn't have that many students to keep it open. And they had to keep, uh, you know, the funding. And it was hard for the funding, you know, to keep the schools open. Mm-hmm. I asked Betty what she thought would happen if the schools suddenly closed in Leicester. I think they would be lost because um, it is a small school. I found that every teacher I talked to loved working at a small school. They loved the close connections they were able to foster with each student and family. As Brenna Kimball puts it, No one's here because they make a lot of money. It's yeah. just the way that it works, you know? We love yep. the kids and we do what we can. And- yeah, there's, there is. There's such treasure in the small schools. The Lester School, like so many other small schools, is a community. They take care of each other and provide for the most vulnerable in their community. Every teacher knows every student by name, and the teachers go above and beyond. Teachers like Brenna Kimball want a voice in the decision-making process. They want to use their lived experience inside the school to help strengthen it from the outside. Towns like Leicester take pride in their school, while towns like Sudbury and Whiting are mourning the loss of their community center.